I've been enjoying Christmas. I hope you have been enjoying Christmas. It's still kind of the Christmas season, at least for a few more days. Um, so I hope you're you're enjoying that time. Uh, and now I know it's back back into the office and back to work. And this is um, this is a just kind of an interesting time. Last week for me, I was like, this is this is a weird week. It's almost like a lost week at some sometimes for me. Uh, I'm still trying to get some things done, uh, but but things are just aren't happening anywhere around us. And uh, so it's a little bit strange. But uh, another thing that I've always found interesting was New Year's Eve, uh, because we get to stand in, in one moment. You're, you're standing in the past and in the next moment, you're you're kind of standing on the precipice of the of the future. And that's always been a little unique in my mind when I think about that, because we don't know what the future holds. Uh, we serve a God who certainly is known and, and, and likes to be known uh, not only to us, but, but in us. And he holds that future. Um, so I began to think, listen, even through 2023, uh, God was with me on the best days, and I'm sure for you, he was with you on the most blessed days of, of that year, uh, but he was also right there in the middle of the worst days, and um, and all of us survived the worst days of 2023, um, but because he, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. That's one of my, my favorite uh, hymns, and it's an Easter hymn, but I, I think it works great at New Year's as well. Um, so I want to share with you just a little bit today from the, the passage I'm going to be kind of sharing around is uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 22 to 40 is the whole context of, of the passage. But I thought uh, maybe we would just pray before uh, we got started. Father, I thank you for this opportunity and this privilege to, to be here and to gather uh, with these folks, and we're spread in different different places, and uh, but we can all be together in this moment, and it is uh, it is a sacred moment to gather with believers uh, to share in your word. So we pray, uh, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would open it to us, and that you would make yourself known to us, but also in us. And so we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So. Heading into the Advent season, I had I had shared with with my church that I have a word. Uh, in fact, it's written on my whiteboard calendar behind me that I use to lead my meditation uh, in seasons where it's really busy, especially like the Advent season when everybody's calendar seems to fill up. My calendar fills up. I'm sure your calendar fills up. And it's a Hebrew word, and it's a unique word, and uh, I'm sure that some of you who are, are watching here uh, will know this better than me, but, but it comes from the, it's only found in the Psalms, and it, briefly in Malachi, and it's this word, Selah. And it seems that the scholars have never really settled on a definite definition or translation of that word. Um, Everywhere that I see it translated into English, it's translated as Selah. So it seems that they haven't figured out a way to capture it, the meaning for us. But, but this is the conclusion I had come to. Uh, I've settled on that word Selah in my life as being a practice. 
uh, a practice of pausing, of breathing deep, taking a, a posture where I, where I focus and I attend to God's abiding presence with me. Um, that gets me through some of those complicated and busy calendar times of the year. Uh, but as I was doing that, as I was practicing that in my life uh, during Advent, uh, I, I had another word that the Lord began to kind of press in on me and challenge me a little bit. And so as I'm preparing our Advent messages from uh, the second week of Advent, it was from Psalm 85. Um, there was a particular word that began to resonate within me, and it comes from verse 8, and it simply says this, I will listen to what God the Lord says. And as I was reading through that and as I was preparing for that message, I felt like the Spirit was kind of saying to my spirit, listen, that's what I want you to do. I want you to, to listen. And it, one of the things that, that I can sometimes struggle with is being an attentive listener. Uh, I, I get really distracted because I begin to formulate responses in my own mind as I'm trying to listen. And the experts tell us that the average human attention span now is, is 8.25 seconds. In the year 2000, it was 12 seconds. And then they give this encouragement that uh, the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. And so that, that obviously covers all the, the age ranges. And uh, But I thought, I can understand how that could be true. We, we live kind of in this noisy world that it's easy to get distracted. If, if my wife, Susan, gives me uh, a, a couple things to pick up at the grocery store, if it's more than two, I tell her I need the list. And if I'm getting directions and there's more than a couple turns, I need to write those down because in my mind, as she's telling me what to pick up at the store, I'm already trying to picture where it is in the store. And, and so after I make those couple aisles in my mind, I stop listening to what she's saying. So she has to write it down. Um, and I think we, we can tend to do that with God sometimes, at least for me, God, God continuously speaks to us, but, but a lot of times we're, we're listening at a shallower level and we're, we're distracted in that 8.25 seconds and something else, some other noise comes in and, and we, we lose focus on God's voice. So in Luke chapter 2, there's this account, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's, it's the immediate few days after Jesus' birth. Mary and Joseph are taking him up to the temple uh, to present him to the Lord as required by the law of Moses. And we meet these two uh, unique characters in the story, Simeon and, and Anna. And we learn that uh, Simeon um, had heard a promise from God. He had, he had heard and God had revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the consolation of Israel, before the Messiah. And so at this point, Simeon's not dead yet. So he's watching and he's waiting and he's he's listening for this promise. And we're 
we're told that he's righteous and devout and he's waiting. And that day as he's waiting and as he's listening, um, the spirit, the passage said, leads him into the temple courts. And when Mary and Joseph show up with the infant, immediately Simeon takes him in his arms and begins to praise God. And we, we have this gift from him uh, from that praise, from that song of salvation that we, we call the, the nunc dimittis. But he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, Simeon's name in Hebrew means one who hears. Or, or a man who of hearing. And the primitive root of Simeon is that word hear, Shema. Simeon had learned to listen along the way, and the Spirit had revealed something deeper to him, I believe, because he was listening deeply. Uh, he was able to listen beyond all the, the distractions that were happening around him. The passage doesn't tell us when the Lord revealed this to him, but whenever it was from that moment on, he was listening and he was waiting and he was hoping and he was watching for the one who would bring light and peace. And day after day, he had been listening. And I imagine that as he's listening in the temple day after day, he's hearing all kinds of things, the cries of the people, the prayers that are going up, the joys and the sorrows, all of these things he's undoubtedly hearing, but he was still listening deeper. And that began to really resonate within me because as he was listening on that day, he heard that invitation from the God that he loved, from the God that he followed, the, the God that he obeyed. And when he heard, he went into the temple. And when he went into the temple, he was able to see what he heard. And immediately he recognizes the one who comes takes him in his arms and begins to sing. And that's a wonderful picture. And then we meet Anna at the same time. And, and the text tells us that she's very old, uh, that she's 84. And I'm not even really sure if 84 qualifies as very old anymore. Uh, we have some, uh, some wonderful people in, in our church that are in their uh, late seventies and early eighties that are still doing amazing things. And, uh, um, so I'm not sure that that's very old, but I, I guess that's subjective. The older, the less that seems like it's very old. But she was apparently listening as well. It tells us that she was married for about seven years, and then she was a widow. And she spent her time every day at the temple, and she never left. And she was worshiping and, and fasting and praying, and she's listening there. And so I'm wondering, what, what does Anna mean? And, and certainly we know that it means favor or grace in, in some context, but I discovered that there's also some grief connected to her name, that na at the end also means please. It's a, it's a plea of, of kind of grief, but, but in the moment in the temple when Simeon is there and he takes this infant into his arms, she sees it. She sees what he's hearing and she comes over to them. And in that moment, I think she really comes into the fullness of her name uh, now 
favor. Now, favor. And so as Simeon is speaking to Mary about this child, this woman who's well acquainted with grief comes up to her and listens about the grief that Simeon is telling will come to her. Um, but it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so in this scene, in my mind, we have this picture of Simeon who's singing and Anna who's speaking to everyone. And, and I imagine her going from person to person, just telling them what's happening. But it seems that the only people that were hearing what these two were seeing were Mary and Joseph. Because as I thought about this passage, I thought, man, this should have been one of the greatest moments of worship in the temple ever. Because right there, the fullness of the Godhead is present. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, and all of their fullness are right there in that moment. And there should have been just this resounding sound of singing and worship coming from the temple. It should have been, it should have been heard well outside of the boundaries of Jerusalem because the Messiah was here. But in the passage, we, we simply get that there was silence. The one who hears, Simeon, and, and the one who is now experiencing the favor had announced that the Messiah had come, and it seems like it fell on unperceiving ears. Nobody was really listening to them. And then I began to think, well, what about us? What about us? Are, are we the same way? I wondered if, if I had been present in the temple that day, would I have seen what they heard? And I don't know about your prayer life, but in my prayer life, I spend a good amount of time talking to God, telling him things, asking him things, uh, putting things before him, asking him to intercede for all kinds of things. But rarely do I take enough time to listen to what God is actually saying. And I wonder sometimes if God's response to my prayers is, I I've already spoken to you, but you're not listening. So I'm just going to stop speaking. I'm going to shut up while you learn to listen. And so as we move into this new year, my, my focus has been this, uh, to practice that word, to practice hearing, to practice Shema as a, as a verb. So to hear in order to, to understand and obey. Um, and so my encouragement for you uh, is maybe to put that into your practice as well, if that's not something that you, uh, that you currently attune yourself to. Uh, for me, it was the I need to take and learn the prayers of listen to engage the word and the scripture with ears that are really tuned in to God's voice. That's where we learn to hear and distinguish from the rest of the noises in the scripture. 
that's where Simeon and Anna learned how to do it. I'm convinced of that because in Simeon's song and in Anna's response, you can hear echoes of Isaiah coming through them. So I'm confident of this uh, in this new year, that if we uh, as a church and as a people will we'll learn to listen deeper, uh, then God will speak candidly like he did with Simeon. And if we learn to trust, God will lead. And if we learn to follow, God will show up and meet us there. And when God shows up and meets us there, we'll be like Simeon and Ammon. We won't be able to stop talking about him. We won't be able to stop singing about him. The worship on our lips will never be stilled. There won't be those silent moments where everybody just kind of goes away. We might even ask ourselves, or ask other people, do you see what I hear? Do you see what I hear? Because here's what I've really been battling with. Every Sunday, when we come to worship in our churches, God is there in his fullness. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's there. What are we not hearing? What are we not seeing that God is speaking? What are we missing? Because I don't want to miss any of that. When, when God is showing up in the middle of that, I don't want the distractions to get in the way of me being able to see what God has said. Uh, so that's my encouragement uh, for you and, and maybe going into this new year. And I don't know where you are, but, but I began to ask myself questions like, if we became a church that's listening deeper, what what might God actually begin to reveal to us? Or, or what might God challenge you about if you began to listen to what he's been saying for so long and actually started to do it? Um, and then I thought, well, how might our worship be impacted if we started to recognize what God has told us to listen for? That might completely change our worship time together. So my prayer is just simply this, Lord, teach me to listen deeply. 